everybody. Welcome into the Mid-State 48, driven by Miracle Auto Group, getting you ready for the second round of playoff action around Middle Tennessee. Chris Brooks with here with you, as always, as well as the rest of the gang. And I'm going to bring them all in. Scott Burton, Camry, Tom Duggan, gentlemen, 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 how are you? Good, good. Doing well. Doing all right. I'm here. Uh, it's uh, No Shave November, or as I call it, uh, day eight of uh, my uh, razor being held in quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> being held for ransom. Yeah, the, the, the No Shave November thing. I mean, like, like, I, like I say, I start that stuff in September. So That's your playoff beard. <laughs> it is. Yeah. We get that started early every year or so. Oh, a lot to talk about in this episode just because, A, Mr. Football semifinals were named late last week. And right before we got ready to record this episode, the TSSAA set the initial regions for the next two years. So we are going to discuss those here in just a little bit. Um, also got a uh, new player of the week's name. And uh, as usual, we're going to pick 10 games and who you got. So uh, without further ado, let's get started. We mentioned those Mr. Football semifinalists, and we'll go ahead and talk about those for just a few minutes. Um, nine classes plus kicker of the year going to be awarded in early December at Nissan Stadium. Um, in the class 1A, nobody local. Um, Isaiah Thompson, Thomason from Fayetteville, kind of the closest one to our area as far as a semifinals was concerned. Uh, Camaro Brown, Memphis Arts and Sciences, Jackson Cassidy from McKenzie, Sam Driggers from Peabody, and Camden Wellington from South Pittsburgh, the other semifinalists that'll get narrowed down to three in a couple of weeks. Yeah, and those five there in 1A, uh, no surprise, but you'll be seeing those five guys' teams playing late into the postseason. Got a local guy in Class 2A, though, Zach Prince from East Robertson. Is in there. Joshua Jackson from Tyner, Quincy Hamilton from Westview, Jaquan Davis from Fairley, and Mason Bowman from Monterey, making up the other semifinals to this round. And um, a pretty good group here as well, guys. And Zeke Prince obviously getting in there for for the Indians, and a well deserved honor for him. Oh, absolutely. He is, uh, uh, you know, he has done some things over the East Robertson that. Sorry. Be quiet, Siri. <laughs> or Alexa or whatever your name is. Um, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, Zeke Prince has done some tremendous work over at East Robertson with that uh, with that team. Definitely well-deserved. Yeah, and he's actually one of the guys, uh, you know, speaking on one of the players that I know of, uh, Mason Bowman at Monterey, um, Bowman is, is almost a one-man show there for the Wildcats. You know, he's he's probably got the best numbers out of this group uh, but in Prince's case, he plays on a team where he doesn't get all the touches, guys. So to put up the numbers he has with limited amount of touches uh, just speaks to the type of year that uh, Zeke's having. And I've seen Bowman. I'll, I'll chime in. I know he's a little bit outside of our area, but uh, a young man's had about 1,800 yards rushing this season. And uh, uh, he's just had a fantastic career. I know this is not a career award, but uh, Monterey High School will remember, remember him for a long time. He's had about 5,000 yards, I think, from scrimmage during his career there. And uh, he's had another outstanding season there at Monterey. Yeah. And while as we're going through these lists, if there's somebody that you think might have been snubbed, go ahead and, and name them because it's something we want to discuss as well. Cause I, I think there were several that are probably could have been semifinals as well. 
Uh, class 3A is Chamarian Dow from Covington, Easton Elliott from Waverly, Jordan Harris from Alcoa, Mark Joseph from Sheffield, and Lance Williams from Alcoa, making up the five semifinals there. Yeah, Easton Elliott just having an unbelievable year for Waverly. Moving on to Class 4A, making County's gay borders. Joins Joandrick Bullard from East Hamilton, Marcellus Jackson from Fulton, Walker Martinez from Anderson County, and Jamari Person from Haywood. We've talked about borders a lot this year. He's had a big year as a sophomore and, and certainly deserving of making the list. Um, guys, let's weigh in here. Yeah, this won't, be the, this won't be the first time. This won't be the last time that we see Gabe Borders' name mentioned on a Mr. Football semifinalist list. Yeah, Borders won co-MVP awards of Region 4-4A this week. He's had a fantastic season there. Uh, Wandrick Bullock, uh, Bullard, that's a kid I'm going to get a chance to see Friday night for uh, East Hamilton. I've heard a lot about him, about 2,800 yards of total offense this year. He's a great dual-threat quarterback. Guys, he's got some great weapons out there, not taking anything away from him. He's a he's a strong guy. I've watched him some on film this year, and uh, he, he's quite an amazing player there for East Hamilton. Looking at 5A, it's Carnes, Deshaun Bishop, Malachi Dow, Mike County, we talked about him a lot this year, Braden Latham from Knoxville West, Jordan Potts from Powell, and Mumford's Braxton Sharp make up the five semifinalists here. Yeah. Guys, Ma- go ahead, go Tom. Well, I was just going to say, I just want to tell a funny story about Malachi Dow because, you know, we've talked about him all year long, and uh, he sat out one game due to injury and uh, actually played just one half of a couple of games down the stretch, but uh, was talking to a friend of mine the other day about – Dowell in the playoff game the other night, and he said, I think he slowed down since uh, since he got hurt. Said, did he do anything the other night? And I said, yeah, just 293 yards and three touchdowns. That's all. So it's gotten to the point where uh, Malachi still puts up great numbers, and uh, uh, White County's winning a lot of games. He's just had a fantastic season. I know we've talked a lot about him, but uh, he's just a really special player. Yeah, the fans yeah. of Nolansville will get to see him this week. And speaking of Nolansville, if there is a snub, yeah. Chance Fitzgerald possibly here could could be mentioned as a snub, uh, over a thousand yards receiving, uh, just to uh, you get the ball to him and he makes stuff happen. Uh, he was up for the Player of the Week award for us for several weeks, um, but on this list, I mean, I think you have a clear cut winner, uh, more than likely. And uh, speaking on Malachi, uh, four hundred and ninety two yards away from Jalen Hurd's record. Um, with everything that he's done this year, I'm not going to say that he's not going to do that against Nolansville, <laughs> but you would think that he would need to uh, have his team win against Nolansville uh, to be able to possibly break the record in next week's quarterfinal. Yeah, yeah pretty well put there. I will add Devin Crenshaw from Springfield to that list of, of, of guys who should have gotten a little more looks than he did. I think Should the injury may have, may have prevented that. I think the injury did hurt him some, but the way the criteria works is that not necessarily statistical-based. Jordan Potts from Powell is a good example of that. He's missed some games too. So if Potts is there, Crenshaw probably should have gotten a look as well. I, I would add Aiden Bucell. Uh, if, you know, linemen don't often get uh, recognized on this award, but he's had kind of a special year. Uh, and they've done a lot of good work down in Mount Juliet. I think that he, he's he's a name that very well could have been on that list. It's kind of yeah. one of my complaints about this award now that they took the lineman part of it out a few years ago and just combined the two. I, I didn't like that. I think that the, they should have their own award, and, and the school guys should have their own award. Totally and while agree. we're talking on uh, 
Basel there at uh, the Tennessee commit. Um, saw a stat uh, today that was pretty eye-opening. When Mount Juliet runs the ball to the left side, his side, they're averaging over 10 yards a carry. That'll get got, a, Yeah, that'll get you know, you know how I like pancakes. <laughs> and he's got like 25 of them this year, so – that makes a good breakfast right there, Scott. Yeah. <laughs> Growing boys. Yes, sir. <laughs> just some real maple syrup and just, yeah, go go to town. There you go. You know it, man. All right, man, let's get it back on track, though. Six A's from the finalist. Blackman's Justin Brown, Smyrna's Arian Carter, Kate Hewitt from Oakland, Jack Reiser from Blackman, and Maryville's Noah Vaughn are the five there. Blackman getting two. Rutherford County's got four of the five in this in the semifinals group. They do, and uh, just speaking, Noah Vaughn is, is unavailable for Maryville this postseason. I uh, hate to hear that. Uh, you know, we've talked about Blackman's offense all year, and it's no surprise that they have two guys here. Uh, Justin Brown actually does a little bit on the defense side of the ball as well for Blackman. Aaron Carter uh, probably has blown up more than any other player in the state from a recruit standpoint uh, this year. And then you talk about a leader and cool, calm, and collected. Just uh, the team, oh, the Patriots go as Kate Hewitt goes. Yep. And then Jack Reisner throwing up a lot of records at Blackman. You know, he, he's been leading a, a very explosive offense for the last couple of years and having another great season this year. So he's on that list as well. Uh, was there anybody in six that, that might not have been, that might have been snubbed a little bit this year? Or is this list good to you guys? That's pretty, pretty all right. I, I'm trying to think of somebody. I was a little bit surprised uh, with Cade Hewitt, but not that it's anything his fault. It's just when you look at, you know, some of the numbers from uh, some of the other players, uh, you know, his, his numbers don't jump out. But that's that's nothing against him. He does a really good job of man of uh, of playing within the offense. Um, it just kind of it just kind of stood out to me uh, that uh, you know compared to some of the other ones, yeah. Yeah, if uh, I had to name anybody, uh, Dearest Johnson at Beach. Um, that was know. that. That's what I was thinking, um, and and not just because of his offense, but also his defensive skills at linebacker. Yeah, yeah. and just the. A reminder from folks listening going forward, these awards have already been voted on and determined. They're just releasing these lists a couple of weeks at a time to narrow it down. It, like, Mr. Football has already been named. It, so we won't find out until December 7th, I believe. It's the date to, that that'll happen in Nashville. But it, the voting's already taken place. So, And also, too, unless you played in Friday of Week 11, Week 11 didn't matter because the voting, the nominations were due before kickoff on Friday of week 11. So unless you played on Thursday, week 11 didn't matter. It was a 10 week award basically, which is a little bit weird and, and something that needs to be changed for next season for sure. Uh, Division two class, a, a, a heavy middle Tennessee flavor. Again, Jared Curtis from Nashville, Christian, Kevin French, Finch, Kevin Finch, excuse me, university school of Jackson, Ashton Jones from DCA, DJ Merriweather from Clarksville Academy and Garrett weekly from Nashville, Christian or friendship, Christian. Yeah, Guys, play. from a stats standpoint, this may be the best list that they've that we've shown so far. Yeah. Uh, one of the most eye popping things about this is Jared Curtis has done this, guys, and he's a freshman. Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah. yeah been very impressive in his year over there at Nashville Christian. This is one I think that uh, you take any of those five, and any of those five would make a very strong case to win it. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I looked at uh, Eli Wilson from Middle Tennessee Christian trying to find a place to put him in, and, you know, it's you know it's just that there are just so many good strong performers in this class that I wouldn't know who you would remove to put him on there. Right. Yep. That's a good point. And Division Two Double A. Caleb Beasley from Lipscomb Academy. Boo Carter from Chattanooga Christian. More on him in just a minute. Uh, Los Angeles Brock Glenn, Knoxville Webbs, Charlie Robinson, and Junior Sheriff from Lipscomb Academy make up the five here. We mentioned Boo Carter. He is no longer Chattanooga Christian as of yesterday. Yep. Correct. He will be uh, a member of Brainerd's football team next year as a senior. Yeah. So interesting note there, especially for FRA, who goes down to Chattanooga Christian to play in the second round of the postseason. But back to this, you know, Lipscomb Academy's got two, probably could have had a third if you think about Hank Brown. Yeah, we thought they would have to. And honestly, we thought that they would have Hank Brown over Caleb Beasley. Uh, but that just speaks to uh, – Guys, he's probably he, – he's self-claimed himself as the best corner in the in the nation, uh, but he's probably an easy top five, top ten uh, defensive recruit. Here's where I do have one that I thought should have been on this list, and that's Ty Clark. Yeah. I yeah. thought Ty Clark from the FRA, he's had a tremendous season, 1,400 yards, 20 touchdowns. He is – I, he has done everything that's asked for him, uh, asked of him, and more. I thought for sure that we would see Ty Clark on this yeah. list. Yeah, definitely thought he might be included in this five, but he's not, and uh, may have something to prove to, down the stretch for FRA as well if he takes that snub to heart. Uh, the AAA list looks like this: it's Max Carroll from Briarcrest, Gabe Fisher from NBA, Carson Gentle from Macaulay, Caleb Hampton from Baylor, and Marcel Reed from NBA. All right, guys, you got your lineman here. Thank, thankfully. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Two good ones there with Gabe Fisher and Carson Gentle. Um, you know, Marcel is uh, number-wise, his numbers weren't just totally eye-popping uh, at first when you looked at him, and then you look at his efficiency, uh, and that goes a long way when, when you're talking about uh, a quarterback uh, that's going to go play on Saturdays in SEC. Yeah. Uh, Marcel is probably the lead candidate here. Yeah, where's the beef? It's in this class, and uh, and you look at Marcel's intangibles too. That that's another thing that, that doesn't get talked about because it does get considered in these awards, like your character and and how you how you're a good teammate, how good a teammate you are. That's considered in the voting too. It isn't just statistically based. So uh, those are things that um, they're looking at when they're looking at candidates for these awards. Kicker of the year is next. It's Max Gilbert from Lausanne, Ozil Hernandez from Germantown, Reese Keeney from Farragut, Ben Shrewsbury from Daniel Boone, and Oakland's Jacob Taylor makes up number five. You wanted a snub, and right here is your snub. The biggest snub of Mr. Football is, you're going to have to help me out with his name, Springfield's kicker. Logan Lethrick. Yes. When you can kick a field goal 55 yards, and it looks like it's good from 70 in high school, I think you're the kicker of the year. You know, I I, I don't disagree with that one bit. And, and Brentwood Academy's George Laster might have a have a thought about this, too. I mean, he, he probably could have been in this list. Yeah, and 
you know, Paulo Sestefanos from Innsworth. Yeah. I thought for sure we might see, you know, we would see him on this list. Now I've not seen, uh, you know, four of these kickers, uh, uh, too much to, you know, to judge their body work. So I, I don't know, but I do, I have seen the ones that we've talked about and yeah. I know the quality that they, that they have. And I'm surprised that there are four kickers out there that are better than the three we mentioned. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. A um, couple of weeks from now, they'll have the finalist list. It'll be narrowed down to three, and then those players will head to Nashville on the Wednesday after the Blue Cross Bowl to be named Mr. Football or not. So certainly interesting, to say the least. Speaking of awards, we've got some hardware to hand out of our own. So let's get our Miracle Auto Group Player of the Week list loaded up here. And some interesting numbers from... Round one of the postseason. Caden Teeman from Beach. Devin Crenshaw from Springfield. Kenny Minchie from Poe Prep. Zeke Prince from East Robertson. DCA's Ashton Jones. FRA's Ty Clark III. And Clarksville Academy's DJ Merriweather. You know, <laughs> four of those players are Mr. Football semifinalists, and they're also on our player of the week list. Um, we'll sort of view them real quick. Starting with Ty Clark, 202 yards, five, five touchdowns on 15 carries. Devin Crenshaw, 9 of 18 passing, 151 yards for three touchdowns and ran for another touchdown. Ashton Jones, 13 carries, 236 yards, four touchdowns. Merriweather had 10 of 16 passing for 177 yards and three touchdowns, ran for 164 yards and two more scores in their overtime loss. Minchie's return, 17 of 28 for 225 and four touchdowns in the Knights win over Briarcrest Christian. You had Zeke Prince, who had four touchdowns on 11 carries with 111 yards as East Robertson rolled over Polk County. And Caden Teeman from Beach, four touchdowns, scored four different ways. He had a rushing TD, a receiving touchdown, an interception return for a touchdown, and a kick return for a touchdown as they eliminated McGavick. So voting just concluded for the fans' portion of the vote, and they decided it was Caden Teeman who should get their vote this week. Tom, you went with Ashton Jones. Yeah, you know, guys, I struggled. In fact, I, I went all the way up into this morning just to debate on who I wanted here because uh, I liked what Teeman did, getting the four touchdowns four different ways. Uh, and I'll tell you, an honorable mention for me today as well was Merriweather, just looking at what he did in an overtime loss. Loss was the operative word there in a playoff game. Uh, but you look at what he did. Merriweather, you know, that team's probably not in it without his performance. But when I broke it all down, guys, I had to look at uh, who won. And in the first round, there were a lot of games that weren't really all that close. And when you look at Ashton Jones, I thought he had the best overall performance. 13 carries, 236 yards, four touchdowns. Pretty good performance in round one of the playoffs. All right. Cam, you went Kevin Teeman as well. I did. In the playoffs, every facet of the game is just as supported as the other. Uh, and he showed up in every facet of the game to help his team to victory. All right, Scott, you went with Caden Teeman as well. Yeah, uh, just to echo Cam, uh, you know he you know he contributed in you know four phases of the game, and they actually, when you look at, it, they needed those touchdowns, uh, and I thought that uh, you know what he did turned uh, turned the tide of the game, even though uh, you know it turned out to be a, a a bigger win than you know what the uh, what it showed. Yeah. I went with Cade Teeman as well. I mean, if you guys know for the end zone like he does, it's uh, hard to ignore that four different ways to score. And he's going to be a big part of that beach offense and, and defense, especially honestly, uh, in the postseason. 
at least this weekend and possibly in playoff games going forward. So four out of five votes for Caden Teeman. And that means he is our Miracle Auto Group Player of the Week for the first round of the playoffs. We've got some hardware to swing by beach and deliver to Caden Teeman this week. So congratulations to him. And why don't we hear from those fine folks at Miracle Auto Group real quick, shall we? Hi, everyone. Jim Galvin, Miracle Ford, your Ford dealer in Gallatin, Tennessee, since 1980. Great news. Beginning now. When you need service, we can come to you. Our mobile service van comes to you wherever you are. Whether you need oil change, lube, routine maintenance, warranty, filters, wiper blades, batteries, bulbs, recalls, and more. Visit our website. Or call us now. Are you ready for a miracle? All right. As always, we thank Miracle Auto Group for sponsoring the Mid-State 48 and the Player of the Week Awards. We'll do that for the remainder of the season as well. So let's dive into some classification talk with these new regions that uh, just landed in our lap literally before we started recording the show. Um, to recap kind of the, the gist of what's coming down the pipe next couple of years, uh, Division One, no changes there as far as classes. Same thing with Division Two, defined enrollments, three classes. Yeah, same. nothing changed there. State office is going to set the region schedules for the next two years. That is new, and that will be coming down very soon once these appeals are heard. Every school will play region game week 11, whether that's Thursday or Friday, depends on the year and what class you're in. And you can see that on your screen as well. Um, uh, literally November 8th, as this thing was about to get recorded, region alignments were determined and posted. Order control meets on the 17th, and the appeals are going to be heard at that point if they're not happy. And I fully expect that some will appeal. So... November 21st at 1 o'clock Central Time, the region schedule posted the TWSW website. And at that point, we should have the final regions for the next two years. So without further ado, let's dive right into it. Let's start in Class 1A and 1 and 2A. And not a ton of change as far as the teams in our area in 1A. Uh, region 4 stays intact with four teams. And we thought Pickett County would come back with their program. They did not. So it's four teams for the next two years. I'm wondering if they're thinking that Pickett County will be back actually the year after. And that's why they left this at four teams. I mean, you look at Region 5, the only team that makes any sense uh, moving over would have been Eagleville because it's about the same distance from uh, as Joe Burns from most of these schools. But, um, yeah, it, it, it just kind of surprised me, yeah, that that stayed at four teams in that region. Well, and you mentioned that, uh, Scott, and, uh, you know, Pickett County's been playing a JV schedule for each of the last two years. They've had a handful of games that they've been playing with the initial expectation that they would come back in uh, 2023. But uh, I don't know. I haven't heard any word of what the holdup is there, but you may be right. They may be looking to uh, come back, if not this upcoming season, then the season after that. But I'm like you. looks a little odd to see only the four teams. You've got four teams to get an automatic berth into the playoffs. Then you got region five. It's loaded down with seven teams and uh, you got three teams that are going to miss out on a playoff berth. Yeah. Yeah. One thing to note uh, here for our lone region five team, Eagleville, they actually benefit from losing Fayetteville from their region this year as Fayetteville moves to two, a region four. Yep. Over into a look at region three and how that one kind of came together. York Institute and Monterey, come back west from what they had been. And then you've got East Roberts and Jackson County drops from 3A to 2A. 
East Roberts and Jackson County, Smith County down from 3A, Trousdale County, and Westmoreland. And Cam, you called this region. I did. I called this region on Monday. The only question mark that I had on this region was York Institute. Uh, I did not know if York would be in Region 3 or if they would move, uh, stay in Region 2 along with Oneida because the distance between York and Oneida is just about closer uh, than York and most of these teams in this Region 3. Uh, but the pure amount of teams over in West Tennessee at the 2A level, uh, Memphis has two regions this year and two uh, coming up in this next uh, cycle. So I, they had to... Uh, shift everybody east to account for that. Uh, and, you know, luckily, th the one region that is just outside of our coverage area that kind of got broken up is Region 2, and that that has Bledsoe County traveling, uh, Bledsoe County, Teleco Plains, uh, and Polk County all traveling to play Wartburg and Oneida, uh, which is a pretty widespread region there itself. Uh, you could see an appeal here from York to get into that region. Uh, that region would probably be a little bit easier for York to make a playoff appearance in. Uh, but this Region 3 is stacked, and that Smith County team coming down from 3A uh, has definitely got to be top dog here. Uh, the, the the thing that gets me is East Robertson traveling to York. That's a two-hour and 43-minute drive. I mean, the Indians are going to have to pack a lunch. They may have to make overnight accommodations. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but now that's a long way to ask a 2A school to travel. Um, you know, for that, for that amount of time, that's 124 miles and it's 124 miles of not interstate. It's 124 miles of rust, rough bus ride, uh, that you're asking those kids to make. And it's, uh, it, it I think that that's a little surprising that, that York is in that, is in that region. I mean, I know Monterey is a, a good haul and so is Jackson County. They're an hour and a half, hour and 48 minutes. Uh, for East Robertson as well, but uh, that one, uh, that one just kind of surprised me. I mean, I, I don't know where you can stick East Robertson to to make things better because, quite frankly, everything is east of them. They are going to be the West team in that region. Yeah, yeah. I don't know that they really fit in Region Four either. I am a little bit surprised that maybe York ended up in Region Three and not in Region Two. It might have made sense to leave them there, but uh, at the end of the day, I don't know that York really petitions to go to Two. They may, but uh, they're just as happy. They've developed a pretty good, uh, uh, you know, rivalry with Monterey, and they've got familiarity with Jackson County and Smith County over the years as well. That Region Three again, another stacked region where you've got seven teams there. Of course, so then you look over at Region Four. Cannon County moves down from three A this year down into two A, and they get rewarded by well ending up with Fayetteville, <laughs> who moves up from one A to two A. And uh, then you got Marion County. They've been a little up and down, but they've got a good football tradition there. Forest and Cascade. I think Cannon will be happy to go down and play on the two A level this year, but. Uh, Nobody's excited about having Fayetteville in the region. We know that. <laughs> no, no, not one bit. Uh, yeah, right back to Region 3 real quick. Uh, half of that region is actually made up of an old uh, – you mentioned that York was familiar with Jackson and Smith. Uh, half of that region is actually an old 3A region from the early 2000s uh, where York, Jackson, Smith County, Charles County, Westmoreland were all in the same region at that time as well. Yep, yep. I actually remember covering a Westmoreland at York game when both teams were highly ranked. I think it was from 2008. I actually had to go to the York Institute to cover that game. So it was a long haul for the Eagles and it was a long haul for myself as well. So I get it. Um, Agent, Region 5, Harpeth gets away from that Trialstow County 
um, region from the next two years. They go west and head with East Hickman, Hickman County, Lewis County, Loretto, Mount Pleasant, Summertown, Waverly, kind of teams that are around that area. So it's, it made sense for them to go out that way. Oh, agreed. I think that this works out well for Harpeth, uh, both regionally and with the uh, quality of play is uh, is a lot, I think, more to their to their style. So, looking at three A and four A. Well, three A, Region Four. You've got uh, let's see, Watertown over there in Region Four, and with Community Giles County, Grundy County, Sequatchie County. Um, yeah, interesting for Watertown where they get put when they thought they might have been somewhere else. Yeah, from a playoff standpoint, I got to think that uh, Watertown's pretty happy about this region selection. I think they have a strong chance to make playoffs, and they have a, a fairly decently strong chance to host playoff games out of this region. Uh, but uh, they were, from a travel standpoint, expecting to be put in Region 5 with East Nashville. They were expecting basically – uh, just a swap between them and Smith County. Unfortunately, that did not happen. Uh, but fortunately for our new school in our area, Liberty Creek, they get put in a favorable region for them to possibly make their first playoff appearance next year. Yep. Yeah, they'll be yeah. eligible for the first time next year. And I think that, you know, uh, for, for the most, I mean, East Nashville is, you know, going to be, you know, the, kind of the rule this region, I think, for the next two. But, uh, if you look at uh, Maplewood and Stratford, uh, really have a good chance to, you know, to continue some playoff uh, runs for Maplewood, Stratford to get back in. Well, they, they continue theirs as well. Uh, Republic's going to be interesting to see how that uh, how that program shapes up, but I think that it's favorable for Republic to have a home, and uh, and and uh, this kind of competition. Yeah. And Region Six, no. Fairview got a good draw for them. Uh, they stay mostly with the teams that were in their region this time around with a couple of exceptions. You know, White House and Waverly leave, but they get Cheatham County, Stewart County, Sycamore and White House Heritage. Yeah, I'm not sure there's a team in that region that can compete with the Yellow Jackets. Not at this point. Right. But, uh, but Sycamore seems to be on the upswing a little bit. Um Cheatham County is it's going to be interesting to see how how they fare with a little different competition and you know White House Heritage rebuilding. I agree with you. I think Fairview for you know like East Nashville Fairview uh, for the next two years looks like they're going to uh, be the team to beat in this region. But it gives some opportunities for some of these other teams uh, to make some uh, noise where they haven't been able to before. Yep. And four A we got Region Four adding. White County to that list with Cumberland County, DeKalb County, Livingston, Macon County, Stone Memorial, and Upperman. Yeah, strong and balanced as that region was this year. Uh, it just gets stronger adding White County, uh, a team that, yes, they are going to lose Malachi Dow this year, uh, but sophomore Trip Pinion has had an unbelievable year at quarterback, uh, and I fully expect uh, to see some very uh, – high-scoring, fun matchup similar to this year. There was a bunch of one-point games this year, uh, but when you think Macon County with Gay Borders, you think Upperman with Jackson Rollins coming back next year, you think White County with Trip Pinion, uh, you think DeKalb County getting Briz Trap back next year at quarterback, uh, you think Stone Memorial uh, having Hunter Havilon. Uh This region is loaded, guys. What you're saying, Cam, is that 
unlike some of these other regions, there's going to be a team in this, a good team in this region is not going to make the playoffs next year. Yes. Yeah, this, this region definitely becomes uh, – that fourth playoff spot is not a gimme and because this year you had Cumberland County and Livingston that really struggled. And, uh, you know, Livingston's not going to stay down forever. That's another thing you got to keep in mind. There's a lot of tradition there at Livingston Academy, and uh, they're not going to stay down. So I think this could be a really, really fun region to watch the next couple of years. Let's look at Region 5 because that was a nine-team region and now becomes an eight-teamer with the addition of Station Camp in – subtraction of a couple of teams from the southern part of that region yeah i think stage camp when they found out that they were going to be moving down to 4a i believe that they knew that uh the pearl cone white house region was a, a strong possibility for them but i think what they were not expecting was to have marshall county in there as well uh pretty pretty long bus ride that's the all, really the only school in this region that's kind of out of the way for everybody else uh, but definitely if you're a station camp fan, uh, it's not a horrible draw, but it's not favorable as well. Yep. Yeah. There's going to be, um, you have Pearl Cone, which, and Marshall County, which they're going to be your, your teams to beat. but there's a, a like region four there, there's a possibility that a, a, a good team is going to get, uh, uh, turned away at the end of the year out of the playoffs in this region. These two regions in class four are going to be very, very fun to watch. Looking at region or class 5A with uh, region 6 and 7, uh, definitely a lot different looking 5A next year with uh, Centennial dropping down from 6A to 5A. Glencliff moves up to 5A. Hillsboro kind of moves over with Centennial. Uh, James Lawson High School, formerly known as Hillwood. Then Nolensville and Page. And then yeah, this is where seven. it gets fun, guys. Yeah. Yeah, this is where it gets fun. Region 7, Beach, Hendersonville, Henry County, Hunters Lane, Portland, and Springfield. Loaded. Yeah, loaded. Absolutely. I tell you what, first of all, my first thought is Glencliff. Now let's move up. Oh, by the way, <laughs> you, you get Nolansville, Page, Hillsboro, and Centennial. Yeah, it just doesn't uh, get any Thank easy. you, sir. May I have another? Okay, <laughs> Lawson. <laughs> yeah. And just being frankly honest with you guys, uh, that Region 7 has a strong possibility of having at least three teams that made quarterfinal appearances this year. Yeah. Yeah. A strong possibility of having at least three that made quarterfinals appearances. Um, you know, Beach and Hendersonville moving down from six, a, uh, not going to say it gets any easier for those guys. <laughs> yeah. Beach and Henry County have put on a lot of good games over the years. And now they're going to do it as region opponents. So that's going to be really wild. Yeah. The one, uh, the two really that got the short end of the stick there would be Hunter's lane in Portland. Uh, Portland made been has been able to make the playoffs for a few years in a row now uh, under Coach Wes Emman. And then, uh, you know, you also have to consider, yes, Springfield looks like they're a strong team in there right now, but they are losing Devin Crenshaw. Yeah. So, you know, what will the Yellow Jackets have after Devin Crenshaw is also something you have to keep in mind. And, and another thing to consider is, uh, you know, what's Hendersonville going to be like? Uh, they They had some struggles this year. Um, you know, we don't know that Portland, you know, can't, uh, muscle them out. It's just, it's really going to be interesting when these teams actually get on the field in this region to see who comes out, uh, in those three and four and that third and fourth position. Yeah. Looking at six, a, the biggest swath of our coverage area with a, a ton of teams here and in, in, in over five regions, which is, which says enough, hmm. uh, 
Region 3 gets a makeover with uh, Blackman, Coffee County, Oakland, Riverdale, Rockville, Siegel, and Warren County. It's more of a touch-up than a makeover. I mean, it's still the same, same old thing. I mean, well, when you have Oakland, Riverdale, and Blackman, uh, you know, long-time three-headed monster there in the Murfreesboro area. Uh, Coffee County coming off uh, the best year in school program history. Uh, you know, this region's pretty loaded, guys. Yeah, and you got Warren <laughs> County. You know, they're just a couple of years removed from the best season in their program history when they had C.J. Taylor. And uh, the Warren County team that went 1-9 and nine this year, guys, but they had a lot of, a lot of close calls this year. I think three one-point one games and five losses by seven points or less. And they go from playing – They've got coffee still, but they had Cookville, Shelbyville, and some of those teams. And now you get sent over to play that uh, Rutherford County region again. That's a pretty tough draw for that Warren County squad. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, the- you know that fourth that uh, fourth place spot is going to be a battle royal there in that region. Yeah, and then look at Region Four. That might be the more of the makeover than anything else. You know, Cookville, Gallatin, Green Hill, Lebanon, Mount Juliet, Wilson Central. Lebanon gets to come back closer to. Wilson County opponents for the next couple of years, and then they get Gallatin and Cookville, a lot of a little bit of the old nine AAA flavor right there, and then Cookville bringing in from the east as well. Yeah, yeah. natural location based rivalry games there, guys. I'm, those are those are going to be fun to watch. Oh yeah, I, I mean Wilson, it's it's a battle of Wilson County. It's going to be a free for all. Yeah. I mean bragging rights for the for the county there and. Uh, that's amazing, you know, and you're, t- this is, you know, kind of what you shoot for when you're doing regions for the most part is, you know, getting them, uh, close to schools of like, uh, size playing close together. Gallatin's what, maybe, uh, 25 minutes away up one Oh nine, maybe 30. Yeah. Um, you know, the only outlier is Cookville, mm-hmm. uh, and still not, not too far from, you know, let Gallatin Cookville be the longest, uh, the longest stretch there. So yeah, and Galton has natural rivalries with uh, both Lebanon and Mount Juliet. So yeah, uh, and they've played Wilson Central several several times as well. So and guys, we're not even discussing Green Hill going up to six A. You know they've right. been quite competitive already that we've seen in five A. Now they make that move up to six A. They're going going up to the big leagues, so to speak. And uh, I, I like what Josh Crouch has done. We all do what they've done at Green Hill. Let's see what they can do next year in six A. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see if they can sustain guys. They lose a little bit off this year's team. Um, it's going to be, you know, they came out of nowhere last year and surprised a lot of people. Um, you know, had another good solid year this year. It's going to be interesting to see if they can sustain. Yep. Region 5 kind of goes back to what it was a couple of years ago with some of those teams with Antioch, Cane Ridge, Laverne, McGavick, Smyrna, Seward Street. Those six were together a couple of years ago, and they reunited. So that 16 region – Sex up well for Cane Ridge and Smyrna and Stewart's Creek as well. Yeah, I think Stewart's Creek is the is the winner in this one. Just coming out of that uh, Rutherford County uh, region, but you know, you look over here and there are some very very competitive teams in here. You know, Cane Ridge, McGavick, Smyrna, Stewart's Creek, and Laverne. All of them, uh, and you know, as Antioch continues to grow, it, poor Antioch is in this region as a you know as a program that is trying to to get back uh where uh you know into prominence but it's very very difficult against uh the five other teams in this region yeah if you had to list uh winners off of the new regions i, I would think Stewart's creek would be on 
on the upper side of that list for sure. Uh, a team that uh, had to fight and claw for a playoff spot, and I think that they're they're probably pretty firm there as as at least the number three in that region, I believe. Yeah. Region six, a bit of a change there. Overton joins it after Centennial dropped down. Uh, Brentwood, Franklin, Independence, Ravenwood, and Summit are still intact there. Yeah, we talked about winners, and now we'll mention a loser, and I think that would be Overton. Uh, you know, coming to this region is definitely not going to be easy for uh, the Bobcats if they want to sustain playoff uh, supremacy. Yeah. If there's a lot of question marks in this region, uh, you know, going forward. So, uh, you know, we'll see if Overton can can kind of uh, overtake some of these uh, historically really, really good uh, programs. Then a look at Region 7 where Dixon County joins and otherwise all Montgomery County region with Clarksville, Kenwood, Northeast, Northwest, Rossview, and West Creek. Yeah, there's another winner, guys. Uh, you know, the Dixon County team uh, comes from a really, really tough region in 5A. I believe they move up to 6A this year. Um, and that region in Clarksville is, you know, historically uh, they – they're kind of so-so, you know, they have their up and down years, uh, regardless of school. Um, one, you know, you got to think that that's probably Clarksville's region, uh, with, with quite a bit of ease, I would say. Yeah. Right, look at yeah. division two. Oh, go ahead, Scott. Sorry. Oh, no, I was just going to say, uh, you know, you're talking about Dixon County, you know, their head coach is, uh, you know, Jeff Tomlinson, you know, he's, He's familiar with those schools of there coming from Montgomery Central. I think that that's a natural fit uh, moving Dixon County up against those teams. Looking over at Division Two in Single A, Ezel Harding joins that East Region this year with Friendship Christian, Middle Tennessee, Middle Tennessee Christian, Providence Christian, out of Murfreesboro, and the Kings Academy. And uh, the Kings Academy may be the only outlier travel-wise in the East. Um, the Middle Region with Clarksville Academy, Columbia Academy. Donaldson Christian Academy, Grace Christian, Mount Julie Christian, and Nashville Christian. So really no not much change there. No. No, that makes sense. Yep. Let's see. Double A. You've got BGA, CPA, Davidson Academy, FRA, Good Pasture, Hope Prep, and Web School in the middle region. And of course, Lipscomb Academy moved up. So Double you know, A has a little bit of a little bit of a change to it in a couple of teams there. Fun region. Oh, yeah. That's all I gotta say there. Yeah, unless you're the feet. Yes. <laughs> yes. And then you're looking at those other teams going, oh, wow. You have to, I mean, if you're Coach Ingle Martin, of course you're excited about Lipscomb not being in your region anymore. And then, uh, you know, guess what Justin gossinger has got going right now at FRA, you know, they're going to be a force to reckon with as well. And now he gets to face his old team in Pope Prep as well. And that's something yep. else to look at. Triple mm-hmm. uh, A has, you know, Baylor Brentwood Academy, Knoxville Catholic, Lisbon Academy, Macaulay in the East, along with NBA. The West, Briarcrest Christian, Christian Brothers, Ensworth, Father Ryan, and MUS. Yeah. Guys, we've just listed the regions um, that we cover in every other classification, but this is all there is in Division II AAA. <laughs> this yep. is everybody. Yep. Uh, only uh, 11 teams. Uh, definitely uh, East Heavy. I mean, it is what it is. You know, you have I, Baylor, Brentwood Academy, Lipscomb, Macaulay, and NBA all on the same side. I think I would have 
like to have seen one more uh, Nashville East school move over to the West just for uh, to make it a little bit easier travel wise on that region. But uh, I mean, th- you're splitting hairs there. And who would it be? Yeah, because you've got, you've got five teams in Nashville as it is. So yeah. you've got Father Ryan, Lipscomb Academy, and NBA not that far apart. And Brentwood Academy right down the street from from, from, from Father Ryan. So, yeah. It, yeah, splitting hairs is appropriate for for that particular body of work. So that's the uh, – these are the initial regions for the next two years. As we've said, these are subject to change because appeals are going to take place on the 17th, and whether they change or not is anybody's guess. Before we get ready to pick some winners this week, let's hear from Innovate Medical. It's that time of the week again. We got to pick some winners. It's who you got. As far as the entire group goes, last week was probably the best week we've had, not just this season, but maybe ever, as far as overall record was concerned. So let's give it up for the fans. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 10 and 0, only the second one to ever do it, joining Tom Duggan in the perfect club. So. Hats off to you, the fans. You you went 10-0 last week and managed to gain one game on everybody. So that's how good it was last week. Speaking of, well, Reggie missed Wilson Central against no one's full, but everybody else took the first page down with no problem. Um, we were split on Overton and Clarksville. And Scott, Tom, and the fans took the Wildcats. And then we were split on Riverdale and Lebanon with myself, Cam, and the fans taking Lebanon with the others taking Riverdale. So what a game that was guys. And I know y'all were, yeah. y'all were there to cover, but uh, man, uh, fantastic. I, I got to tune into that on the way back from my game and it was quite the finish. Yeah. yeah I was a three thirty pick swap away from going 10 and no, I'm kind of disgusted a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, they say study long, study wrong. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, it's uh, definitely a change here. So Cam went Whoa. overall for the week. Wow. So look at Cam. He's now jumped into first place ahead of yours truly by a couple of games. I'm still feeling a little piratey down here at the bottom of the uh, standings. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, Tom. I'm headed your way. <laughs> Come on down. Come on down. The basement's nice and chilly. There we go. There we go. Welcome to the dark side. We have cookies, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. One thing to note this week. Uh, for all our viewers, uh, up to this point, we've picked only games, including teams with the 615 area code. Starting this week, we're picking every game. Yep. So you look on our website, 615preps.com, uh, you will see our staff picks on every playoff matchup across the state. For the remainder of the season, that's how it will go. We will we'll pick them all until, until Chattanooga. So look out for that Wednesday morning on our website. So. But don't pick anything that I picked. Remember, this is for fun only. (laughs) (laughs) Recreational purposes only. That's it. (laughs) Or is it? (laughs) (laughs) Do I have something in my sleeve? We'll never know. (laughs) 
on to the picks. We got Brett with a Bartlett to start us off. And uh, Reggie and I are going with the Bruins. I tend to like this Brentwood defense on the road. We always say defense travels. And this Brentwood team seems like it has something to play for in this postseason. And they're, they're playing with their hair on fire. And I think that they can get it done even on the road at Bartlett. Yeah, even I do think their defense shows up, guys. Uh, I would not be surprised at all if Brentwood wins this game. Uh, but the the one stat that I looked at that really made me lean Bartlett is they've outscored Brentwood by almost 200 points. It's like they've almost right at doubled them up. Brentwood scored like 186 up to this point in the season, and Bartlett is right around the 359 mark. Um, and they showed that they can do it against a, a really good defense last week in Centennial. So I think uh, this Memphis region has really been overlooked this year. Uh, last week's results showed that, so I, I leaned Bartlett. Uh, you know, I think Brentwood can keep them, you know, closer, you know, lower on the scoreboard than, than what a lot of teams have, but uh, I'm leaning Panthers. Yeah, I, I kind of looked at that same kind of stat, but I've, what got me is Bartlett's defense is really, really good is just as well. I think this is a low-scoring game, quite frankly. But this is a team that defeated Lausanne. Uh, I think this is going to be a, a, you know, as much a chess match as a football game. Uh, you know, the Bruins have played tough all year. I just think they're in, they're uh, run-ins here just because of their offensive uh, difficulties they've had. All right, DC8 Friendship Christian is next, and, and we're all on the uh, commanders in this rematch of, of DC, our Friendship Christian beginning its playoff run after a first round bye last week. Uh, the rematch of a game earlier this season where the commanders dominated DCA. And no, Scott, you were over there for that one, so why don't you go ahead and uh, give us your take on this one? Yeah, this is uh, a replay of that week three match that uh, Friendship won 43 to 8. And, and since that, DCA has gotten better. Aston Jones has averaged 201 yards rushing, 16 touchdowns since then. But that being said, Friendship just has so many weapons, and they can hurt you in so many ways. I think DCA is still a young team, especially on the defensive side of the ball and on the lines. And I think because of that, uh, they will end up uh, uh, winning over DCA again. Yeah, if I know uh, Coach McNeil and Coach Lowe over there at Friendship Christian – they're not going to let Ashton Jones beat them by himself. Uh, DCA is going to have to find something on uh, the offensive side of the ball to uh, open things up for Ashton Jones, and I just don't see that happening uh, enough times uh, for DCA to pull off the upset. They held him to eight yards rushing on ten carries in week three. Going to be a challenge for the Wildcats. Uh, we'll see what happens in the rematch. East Nashville at Waverly. Uh, Tom and Reggie are on Waverly. I'll let you start us off, Tom. Uh, well, guys, I'll tell you, two weeks ago, I probably would have picked East Nashville to win this game, but uh, they've been struggling down the stretch, and it seems like it's on the offensive side of the ball that they really started having some issues. It started with the Riverdale game uh, back, I believe, in week 10 of the season. Then uh, Smith County, and I think Smith County uh, really showed us that they had something. It might have had more to do to Smith, with Smith County than it did with East Nashville. But then last week, uh, East Nashville had their struggles against Whitehouse in the first round of the playoffs. And, and again, it's offense. They, they're only scoring about uh, 12, 13 points per game in the last three weeks. I think they're having a lot of issue there. Waverly's been playing some really good football here of late. And the fact that they've got it at home this week, would be surprised to see East Nashville win. But by the way, the teams are playing right now. I think Waverly wins this one. Yeah, oh. 100%. I, it was hard for me to pick East Nashville to, to win this game based off of the way that both teams are playing. However... Uh, I do feel like East Nashville finally have, have 
receive their footing, uh, scoring late in that game last week. It really showed the grit of Coach Stewart's team. Uh, some program changes internally, uh, I think, will help uh, this Eagles team. And I think uh, they go on the road and get a tough win. I, Zach Beard and Frank Gordon's going to have to uh, lead the way offensively. Well, we uh, we talked to uh, to co- uh, to uh, East Nashville coach last week, and yeah, it's exactly that. They had some internal issues that caused some strife midway through the season that caused them problems, and they're actually playing right now with uh, three underclassmen on the offensive line, which is what uh, has caused them issues. Um, that being said, this team has all the talent in the world uh, to make it. Uh, I was there at East Nashville this week uh, in their game against White House. Uh, Zach Beard took the team on his shoulders. Uh, you know, Frank Gordon was—he's uh, like Taco Bell, man. He was open all night. Uh, the the question is, can the, those offensive linemen gel together and and keep Zach Beard clean? Um, I think they can. I think that. Uh, that this team is playing a little bit more together now that uh, uh, they've cleaned house a little bit. And for that reason, I'm going with East Nashville. Uh, I think Zach Beard getting a little bit more free reign to run is going to be beneficial for East Nashville, especially when those linemen are still trying to gel together and, and give them some better protection. If it breaks down, he can get out there and run and, and do some things with his legs. And that's a key reason why I went East Nashville this week. A week ago, I would not have done that. Fairview at Smith County, a rematch of round one from last year where the Owls knocked off the Yellow Jackets at home in Carthage, and we're all picking them to do it again. So um, Smith County looks like they could be in for a pretty good ride. Jamison Keeley. Jamison Keeley. 55 total tackles and 18 for loss. He has nine sacks. I think he's the key to this game, and if he can get uh, pressure on McCoy, I think that Smith County wins this one. Yeah, I believe that uh, Fairview-style play just really plays right into the hands of Smith County uh, in the way that they want to play. And I just at this point, I think Smith County's better at playing that style of football. Smith County's playing with a lot of confidence, guys. They have not lost since week two of the regular season against the Cap County, a game that uh, I know they'd love to have back to have an undefeated season going. Smith County's playing. I think they're going to go a long way in these 3A playoffs. All right. On to the next one. It's Lebanon and Oakland, and we are all on the Patriots. I know that uh, this Lebanon team is going to be determined going into Ray Hughes Stadium to try to do some damage here. And you know, I said earlier this season, I thought that uh, Lebanon could give Oakland problems, and it, they're playing in a round earlier than I expected. But I wouldn't be surprised if Lebanon keeps this close for a while. I, I do like the way his team is playing with swagger and able to close out a tough game against Riverdale last week. Didn't like that they gave up a 21-point lead twice, but you know, finishing in the end is important in the postseason, and they were able to do it. But uh, in the end, until somebody beats Oakland, i got to go with the Patriots otherwise. Agreed. Yep. On the page number two, it's Paige and Mount Juliet, and uh, Reggie's going with the Golden Bears, and the rest of us are on the Patriots. Uh, Cam, why don't you take this one? Yeah, I mean, looking at last week's game, Page uh, scored 35 unanswered at one point to really separate against Green Hill. Um, Mount Juliet's run game uh, is going to have to be uh, the difference in this game if the Golden Bears want to win this game, and it's going to be hard to do that against Coach uh, Rathbone's defense. Uh, really good linebacker core there for the Patriots. Uh, and at the end of the day, I just this Page team, I believe, is on a mission to get another shot at Nolansville. 
Smyrna Beach uh, could be a very defensive battle in this one with the with the Bulldogs and the Buccaneers. Reggie's going with Smyrna, and the rest of us are on the Buccaneers. Yeah, very surprised that we're all on beach. Yeah, this was uh, tough, guys. But and sorry to interrupt there, Cam. Again, defensive battle is what I see in this football game. And the uh, twenty-two that Beach gave up last week in the first round of the playoffs, the most since the twenty-one they gave up to Henry County back in week two. If anybody can match Murder's defensive effort, I think it's Beach and playing at home. I, I look for a very low-scoring game here. Yeah, as tough as this matchup is uh, to pick, it's really simple to pick. Uh, to me, whoever's linebacker core plays better is going to win this football game. And to me, Smyrna has the best linebacker out of both teams and Aaron Carter, but Beach has the better core. So I think Beach wins this ball game. I think I think Beach has a lot of weapons in the backfield. And I, I I expect them to to come out and in you know they with JP Courtney, uh, you know Darius Johnson. I think they've got. Just a, a lot more weapons. Uh, Smyrna, yeah, they do a good job. Arian Carter, I, th- I expect Beach. I'm, I'm like you, Cam. I think the the better wide receiver, I'm not wide receiver, linebacking core is is the key here. I expect Beach to focus on Arian Carter, force Landon Miller to beat them throwing. That means that Beach will have to com- cover Thomas Jones likely man up with a, a safety over the top. Allow the linebackers to guard against Carter, and I think that's where Caden Teeman will thrive. Yeah, and I'll be out at one of these two games. I believe we may put up a poll uh, maybe tomorrow. Uh, you know, so I'll be at one of either of these games. Yeah, that's still to be determined. Um, for me, it's it may come down to special teams in this one. And – Beach does pride itself on having good special teams, and that's that's one thing that they really work hard on as far as the kicking game and blocking kicks and, and kickoff returns and stuff like that. And you saw Caden Teeman, player of the week, had a kickoff return for a touchdown. I mean, it's dangerous to kick to, to guys at Beach because they can run it back. And Smyrna's got dangerous guys as well, but I think a special team's play is going to decide this one, and I'm going with Beach for that reason. Springfield at Munford. Tom's on Montford and the rest of us are on the Yellow Jackets. Tom, what you got? I'm glad I'm on that limb by myself because I'm heavy enough as it is. But, uh, you know, Montford <laughs> is 11-0 uh, and 0 in the season, guys. And I know we don't typically know a whole lot about West Tennessee teams until we get on into the playoffs. But, again, I go back and we talk about defense and, you know, how defense can carry a, a team. And so far for Montford this year, they've got three shutouts. They've uh, allowed seven points or less in five of their games this year. They play pretty good defense. And, you know, once you get to the playoffs, it's going to mean something. I know Springfield, they've got a quarterback that I love in Devin Crenshaw. But uh, having to make that bus trip, going on the road, Munford's 11-0 for a reason. I think their defense is good enough. I think they get the win. All right. Yeah, I think this turns into a shootout, guys. I do think Munford's defense uh, definitely appears to be solid. But I don't think that they've seen a player like Devin Crenshaw this year. Bus ride may uh, cause the Yellow Jackets to come out a little slower out of the gate, but I expect a shootout here. I this was the hardest game for me to pick, and I changed my decision. That uh, you said a three thirty decision. Mine was, you know, <laughs> may have been. A, I think I closed my eyes and just picked one. Uh, now everything I read about Mumford is impresses me about their defense they you know Tristan Bohannon 6'3 230 outside linebacker is is amazing I expect 
him to kind of shadow uh, Devin Crenshaw all night. I think that Clarence Cobbins has to have a big game receiving to open up uh, the the running game with uh, uh, with uh, Lamarius Daniels and Keontas Woodard. So my head said Mumford all day long, but I was going to go with my gut, and I think Springfield is the gutsiest team. That's what happens when you bang your desk. <laughs> and so I'm going with the gutsiest team, and I think that's Springfield. The key to this game for me is Logan Lefkert. You need points in the playoffs, and he can provide them, especially from downtown. And in a game that field position may be very, very critical, a 50-yard field goal or two may not be out of the question for that young man on Friday night. So uh, Logan Lefkert could be a big reason why Springfield gets out of there with a win. Clarksville at Cane Ridge. Scott, you're headed over there. Reggie is on Clarksville, typical cat. And then <laughs> Cane Ridge, we all, the rest of us have Cane Ridge. So, yeah. Well, this is, uh, you know, last year Clarksville knocked Cane Ridge out of the playoffs. And, and Cane Ridge hasn't forgotten that. I think that they circled, when they saw the, the playoff uh, uh, seedings come out, they circled this, uh, this game. And, yeah, I know this is the game that made uh, Coach Eddie Woods for Cane Ridge uh, decide to change his culture. So this this game is of ultimate importance. Clarksville's tough, and they're running that. They've been virtually unstoppable since they switched over to the triple option. But I just don't see uh, Clarksville being able to stop so many weapons. I think Siobhan Abdullah. Uh, with his arm, with his legs, with his foot. It just could do so many things. I think they've got too much speed for Clarksville, and I expect Cane Ridge to, to get uh, revenge for last year. Yeah, I agree 100%. Uh, if you talk about hot football teams, I believe this Clarksville team may be the hottest in the state. Uh, however, I do believe Cane Ridge has been really – chomping at the bit to uh, get a chance at, at this Clarksville team again. Uh, and they have it here in the second round of the playoffs. And I think uh, the veteran leadership of uh, Abdullah and Reggie Goodlow and, and the offensive firepower is just going to be too much for Clarksville. Yeah, I think all the elements go for Cane Ridge. You mentioned the, the firepower. Let's not forget the defense, guys. Three consecutive shutouts for this Cane Ridge defense. They're playing good on both sides of the ball. They got the chip on their shoulder from last year's playoff loss. I think Cane Ridge wins this one. Jalen Johnson and most of the third, if you don't defend those two, they're going to be a long night for Clarksville. Uh, and I think that one, at least one of those receivers is going to have a big night in King Ridge rolls. Hope Prep and Brentwood Academy is our spotlight game of the week. And we are split between the four of us. Before we get Reggie's pick, I want to turn to you guys. What stands out to you between these two teams? This was tough for me, guys. I'll be honest with you. Kenny Minchie coming back for Pope Prep. I wondered how he would play in his first game back since he's missed a few weeks. It looked pretty good in the game last week. I went back and forth. I'll be honest with you. This was the toughest game for me, actually, to pick this week, going back and forth between these two teams. But, you know, I know I've talked a lot about defense during the show today. But, again, this Brentwood Academy has been good on that side of the ball. And uh, very, very solid performance against MUS last week in a 35-7 win. I thought that was impressive in the first round. I could see this game honestly going either way, but I just I like Brentwood Academy playing at home. I don't know if we're going to get the elite Kenny Minchie if he comes out and plays what he's capable of. Pope Prep may win this one easily, but I like Brentwood. Yeah, this game is going to be uh, a great game, a great display of the of the way to play quarterback. Uh, 
you got Kenny Mitchell, you got George McIntyre, both are going to play Division One football at the quarterback position. Um, I just like Brentwood Academy's defense just a little bit better. I like that they have the opportunity to control the game on the ground if they have to with Deuce Scott. Uh, I just think that there's more options for Brentwood Academy to win this game than Pope Prep. Well, I look at this game and I remember the uh, the game that they play that uh, Brentwood Academy played at Innsworth, and what they and what a team with dynamic players on on the outside can do to uh, the this Eagle team. And I think that I I think this Pope Prep team is better than Innsworth. I think that they can they can score. I I think they can outscore Brentwood Academy here. But to me, the difference maker is going to be Josh Maylander. He's a classic ball hawk. He has six interceptions, multiple pip, pick sixes to go with his offensive receptions. He's a difference maker in a game where the difference between these teams are going to be so minimal. I think that he makes a big difference. I think he makes a big play. The Pope Prep offense is going to put so much pressure on Brentwood Academy just because you've got Maylander, you've got Chet Lax, you've got Colin Cook at receiver, and Elijah Robb in the backfield supporting Kenny Minchie. Minchie in his second game back from injury. I think will be even better than last week. If this was his first game back, I'd be apprehensive about picking Pope, but I'm not because game two is usually better than game one. For me, it's kind of a, a new start to his season. So Minchie's got something to prove with uh, with his career basically hanging in the balance, high school-wise anyway, and uh, I think that's why Pope wins. Yeah, we picked a dandy last week. Can we do it for a second week in a row? Well, <laughs> maybe. We'll find out, but uh, we've got a little bit of business with Reggie first. Oh, wow, that was quick. Okay, I guess he has made his choice. And he has chosen Well, if I can get it up here. He's chosen the Knights. Uh, Pope Prep. Yeah, I guess he heard Kenny Mitchell was back. Still too. going at it, <laughs> Reggie. Say hi. Nothing. And let me just say, Pope Prep's one of those teams I never get right. When I pick against them, they win. When I pick for them, they lose. They, they, they've been they've been my arch nemesis for the last couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> I think Reggie has a thing against birds, and that's kind of why he he went with the Knights. So, oh, he definitely has a thing against birds. Yeah. <laughs> but let's recap quickly. Brentwood at Bartlett. I am on Bartlett, or I'm on Brentwood along with Reggie. The rest of y'all are on Bartlett. We all have Friendship Christian winning over DCA. Tom and Reggie have taken Waverly over East Nashville. We've all got Smith County over Fairview and Oakland over Lebanon. Reggie's on Mount Juliet. The rest of us have Page. Reggie's got Smyrna. The rest of us have Beach. Tom's got Mumford. The rest of us have Springfield. Reggie has Clarksville. The rest of us have Cane Ridge. And Scott, myself, and Reggie have Pope Prep. And Tom and Cam are with Brentwood Academy this week. As always, you can vote until kickoff on Friday at 615preps.com. Look for who you got and pick all of those games along with us. So can y'all go 10 and 0 again? We'll see. But that is it for who you got. That is all the damage we can do this week, guys. It's been another good show. Let's uh, get one quick word from each of you before we get out. Uh, Cam, go first. 
Yeah, as uh, we mentioned, uh, as we were picking those uh, games, we have uh, started this week picking every game in the playoffs. Uh, so just be sure to check 615preps.com uh, to see who we picked in your game uh, as well. Uh, if we're out covering a game, be sure to say hello. We love fan experiences, getting to meet you guys uh, as well. I will reiterate what I uh, stated last week. On, you know, there's only one state champion in each classification. There's going to be kids play their last football game ever Friday night. Uh, so just be mindful of that uh, and respect the game. Well, I'm proud to say that I won the lottery last night. I was proud to get my tickets this morning and learn I'd won seven bucks. So I'm very excited today. No plans to retire from my job. But if you want to hit the lottery this weekend, there's some great games in round two. And let's hope the TSSAA is going to hit the lottery soon with uh, this region realignment. I know for since basically 1993, they've been trying to get the alignment some way that is perfect. Somebody's always not happy. But uh, looking at the realignments that we talked about tonight, I think there's going to be some interesting races. There's not a whole lot of big changes that are coming forth for next year, but uh, some minor tweaks that I think are going to make things a little bit more interesting. Of course, they're going to continue to look at things and uh, try to continue to balance it out. What's the right formula? None of us really know, but let's hope the TSSAA certainly finds that right formula, that perfect formula sometime soon. Yeah, I, I'm sure that everybody has heard recently of the, the uh, proposed stadium downtown uh, for the Tennessee Titans and the, you know, all the the questions surrounding whether the Blue Cross Bowl will move over there, which it honestly should, but uh, that's neither here nor there. What I would like to say is that, you know, when we're investing in things like that, which is which is what it is, it's an investment. We need to look and see if there's a way for us to somehow tie in the metro schools and their fields into uh, into this deal somehow that we can get improvements for these schools. These, uh, you know, these kids uh, just don't have the means to get turf fields or to get or to have them, you know, finally manicured or things like that. So really, would it be nice to be able to see some kind of uh, program going to improving the fields or even building a couple of, if it, it took it, building a couple of uh, centralized facilities the teams could rotate to. Um, but th there's got to be an answer. We really need to invest in some of our metro schools in getting them uh, some really good stadiums and some really good facilities to which they can uh, play. Well, we're through one week of the postseason, and I got to say, last week was pretty good considering traditionally the first week of the, of the playoffs usually isn't. And we were fortunate to cover two really good games over at East Nashville and at Lebanon, and there were others around the area as well. Round two hopes to be more of the same. And the weather looks absolutely wonderful for Friday night. Uh, hopefully it will stay that way. I urge you to get out there and, and get to a playoff game at some of these teams. Are really good football coming around the pike the next four weeks. And it's the best time of year for a reason. So go out there and support these kids and, and these programs because they're putting it on the line for themselves and for their communities. And, uh, folks, that's all I got. And uh, that's all we got for the Mid-State 48, driven by Miracle Auto Group for round number two of the postseason. We are back here Saturday morning, 9 a.m. on our YouTube channel, on Twitter, on Twitter and on Facebook to recap the scores, get you some highlights and some interviews as well. For those round two games, and then next week we'll start talking quarterfinals and division two semifinals. So 
it's a fun time of year. It's going to be an interesting Friday night to see how some of these games wind up and who moves on. For Cam, for Tom, for Scott, I'm Chris. We're out. We'll talk to you next time. Enjoy the weekend and take care, everybody. Lock and